Hey there, it's Jake. Before we jump in, I wanted to let you know that this episode of The Online Hustle is a bit of a time capsule. It's from a podcast I used to run between 2012 and 2016. You're going to hear some references to that show, uh, to businesses and content that may have changed or may not even exist anymore. You're listening to The Multimedia Marketing Show. This is episode number 15. In today's show, we bring on Yarrow Starrick from Entrepreneur's Journey. Now, Yarrow was one of Australia's earliest bloggers, or uh, should I say, one of Australia's earliest bloggers to monetize. So we take a look at the history of Yarrow and how he's gone about creating such an amazing brand. We talk also about blogging 2.0 and what that is. This is a phrase that Yarrow has coined, and it's quite an interesting topic. And we also then discuss a little bit about how he goes about marketing and monetizing. So let's get stuck straight into that interview right now. Yarrow, how are you? I'm really good, Jake. Thanks for having me. No problems. And thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate that. Okay, listeners, today what we're going to look at, uh, Yarrow's one of the pioneers, really, particularly in the Australian scene with blogging and certainly blogging for profit. And what I'd love to really speak to Yarrow about today and uh, provide you with this information is we're going to really run through what blogging was and what blogging is becoming. And I think that's a really interesting topic and Yarrow's the man to be discussing this with. Yarrow, for those listeners who don't know much about you, do you mind giving us a little bit of background? Sure. The hard part here is being concise. So I went to the University of Queensland here in Brisbane and I did a business management degree. And it was while I was there that I got my first taste of the internet. We're talking late 90s. So I got my dial-up account. Prior to that, I was a Nintendo Sega kid, so I didn't have computers quite so much. And I fell in love with the internet. That was the, uh, the dawn of my experience. Started a website, enjoyed having some sort of destination online, started to make a bit of money from it. It was about a card game called Magic the Gathering that I played while I was in high school and university. And I I started a trading forum and an e-commerce store on that site. And I almost had a a magazine-style blog there, even though it wasn't a blog because blogging hadn't been invented technically yet. Then the dot-com boom happened. I I really wanted to get a bigger business, so I got into a, a proofreading service that was basically connecting university students with people who are very good at academic writing to help with editing and proofreading. And and I acted as the middleman connecting those two groups, which was partially inspired by reading the book about how eBay got started. I was looking to have a business that could scale, where you could have as many people buying as you could have selling. So that was exciting to me at the time. And that all went well. I made some money from that. That was my sort of first full-time income after uh, university which led to blogging, surprisingly enough, because someone told me that a blog was good for searches and rankings. This is about the year 2004, so just before it became mainstream. And I started one for the proofreading business, but it wasn't the most exciting subject to write about, and it quickly died. But I did get the blogging bug, so I started my own blog as a hobby site just to talk about what I really enjoyed, which was entrepreneurship. And since I'd already spent the last sort of seven years having these two successful online businesses, and I also had an English school that wasn't so successful, but it was a, a learning experience as an entrepreneur, I took all that experience and content and put it into the blog and, and wrote it really as a hobby. But amazingly enough, people started reading it, and then it became my main business. And long story short, I ended up selling everything else off and continued to produce Entrepreneur's Journey, my blog, and that spun off into some training products as well as I'm a software service I'm running more currently. And I've been doing that for the last seven years now. So it's the second half of my career. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. Certainly what really jumps out at me is the fact that you were running e-commerce back then. What was it like? Uh, when I say I'm writing e-commerce, I had a list of cards for sale and I bought a little bit of wholesale product as well from a distributor down in Sydney. And then I'd run to the post office every day sending cards in the mail and I'd get checks in the mail. I get kids sending me like $5 bill, $10 bill in the mail as well to pay for their cards. And it was great for a while. The margins were terrible, but because I would win cards at actual tournaments, I, I could make some money from it. And then I got hit by credit card fraud from um, some people in Thailand, and that pretty much shut down my business when all was said and done because I just was naive and I didn't really consider the fact that these could be purchases coming from stolen credit cards, and, and they turned out to be that way, as I found out six months later when the uh, chargebacks started coming in. And, and that was a pretty dark period, actually, because I just graduated university, and I found myself in debt to about you know, the tune of $8,000, so not a good way to finish your university career. Not at all. It's amazing how far we've come since even the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. It's just incredible what you can do now. Operating pretty much everything off a mobile phone and you can <laughs> even run transactions through the phone as well. It's just crazy. Yeah, there was no mobiles when I was doing that. I don't, or maybe just actually, probably certainly not smartphones. We were talking the old gray and black screens with the centipede running on them. That was it. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go a little bit deeper into entrepreneur's journey. So you're talking about it was a hobby. So I guess how often were you posting to the site back when you first started? When I first started, I, I was almost daily. It was weird, actually. I didn't think of that as something I had to do. It was just something I wanted to do. I was enjoying writing and I was a bit lucky. I still kept a casual job um, at, at a help desk at the University of Queensland while I was making money from my other businesses. But I don't know, I didn't have a lot of places to go to. So it was a great job, paid well. I kept at it. But the best thing about it was I got to sit in front of a computer for long periods of time. And I'd actually use that time just moonlight by writing my blog. And I just had these stories in my head and I want to get them out. I, I, I had this magic site, which I'd started from scratch. So I talked about how I built it, how I got traffic to it. I had this English school and I talked about how I got office space for it. And and I started this proofreading business and I talked about how I was learning about customer service and, and learning about marketing with posters and whatever I was interested in. It was, it was purely a, a passion-based subject because I was loving entrepreneurship. I was still, I guess, lost a little bit in terms of not sure where a stable income source would come from. And I didn't love my businesses, like all aspects of it. I liked parts of it, but I didn't, like, until I hit blogging and teaching, I, I found that I wasn't really hitting all the things I wanted to do with an online business. But as a blogger, I was sitting there every day telling a story, 1,000 to 2,000 words roughly, and I kept that up for a, probably the first year. Maybe not every day. I might have had weekends off, I think, but pretty much, uh, probably more so because I didn't have much of a life as well <laughs> outside of that. Writing my blog was a bit of a highlight for my day, I think, and one of the, the biggest areas I could socialize, uh, ironically enough, because it was online and sharing with people that way. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you talk about you didn't have a clear monetization strategy. How did it come about that this become your full-time earner? And did you follow like a particular path? Like a, For me, I'd think a traditional path would be something like an AdSense into your own product mm. and away you go. What, what sort of path did you follow to monetization? That you're, yeah, you're right. I, I definitely saw AdSense as the way to go about it because um, pro blogger Darren Rouse had just posted up his $15,000-ish AdSense check from his um, photography blog on uh, his church blog. So that was impressive. And he was the, the first person to really publicly talk about making money with blogging on a, on a, a you know, public scale. There were other people doing it but not talking about it. 
And I'd also had my previous experience. I'd, I'd run this Magic Cards website, which I'd made money from selling banners directly to sponsors. I had an email list through the forum. So I'd made money sending advertisements out through the email list. And of course, I had the e-commerce store as well as a way to make money. And the forum also was a place where people bought and sold cards and I could sell cards there too. So I, I got how websites could make money. Blogging was a bit different because... It was a content-based medium that used this new format called a blog. So I first had to learn what made blogging different to running just the standard website. So once I got my head around that, I really did start to read a lot about other people making money with blogs. And in general, actually, that's when I started to also read about internet marketing. So I started studying. Funny, it was two groups of people that turned out to be very distinct groups of people that I actually ended up being like a mix of the two. And when I say two groups, bloggers and internet marketers. So people who write blogs and put up ads and that's what they do. And then you have internet marketers who grow email lists and promote affiliate products. And it's all about getting people onto that subscription. And it seemed to me that these two groups really didn't talk to each other at the time. They didn't direct response email marketers really didn't do any sort of ongoing content creation in a blog maybe in a newsletter but really they didn't have a presence beyond that and bloggers were like these content machines who were just putting out so much stuff but not getting nearly as much return on investment compared to an email marketer because like an email marketer could send one email for a promotion and make 10 or 20 thousand dollars back where a blogger would spend the entire six months period writing 20 30 40 50 posts a month over six months to make half of that money. So I was like, I wasn't sure which is the right path, but I was enjoying blogging. And I started to mix the two, and that's why I did eventually start a newsletter after a year of blogging. But to answer your question, AdSense just didn't work for me. So I tried that first, and I made about a dollar a day at best. This is when I really did start to look more at the, the internet marketers, and I started affiliate marketing next. And initially, that kind of bombed as well, but it slowly started to work a little bit. And I saw the potential. If I increased my traffic then I could make more money. For example, my first ever affiliate promotion was for Perry Marshall's package, which included the definitive guide to Google AdWords and a bunch of CDs and things like that. It was like a $25 product. I get, I think, $20 commission. That's actually probably like a $40 product, and I get $20 commission. And I wrote a blog post promoting it, saying it's a great offer. Perry stuff is amazing. I published it and I went to bed and I expected to wake up with $600 in my PayPal account or at least in, in emails telling me I made money when I woke up to zero. So I got a bit disheartened from the potential to make money with blogging. And to be fair, I only had maybe three to 400 daily visitors. But still, that that's hard even to get up to that level. I, I, I only ever reached about 500 daily visitors with my magic site, starting to get close to that number again with my blog. And I was disheartened, but I decided, you know what, I'm enjoying blogging for the, the fun of blogging. And a sale came through uh, two days later. I got my, my $20 commission email came through and I was like, okay, this is working. And then another sale came through and, and another sale. And I think I ended up making four or five sales from that one blog post. And then I did the math. So I thought, okay, if I can make four or five sales from this one blog post with three to 400 daily readers, what if I have a thousand daily readers or 2000 daily readers? Does my income double, triple? from each of these promotions. And that's what happened. I, st I just kept working, kept growing my audience, started to test more affiliate offers. And there was a period actually where I remember I was out playing um, pitch and putt golf with some friends and I had a Blackberry and it was the first time I ever had email on my phone. And by that stage, I had more money coming from affiliate marketing. I still hadn't released any of my own products on my blog, but I was 
doing better with affiliate stuff. And Perry had this offer that was for a an event that he was charging $2,000 for. And he was giving away a laptop because I think he's having trouble selling tickets. So you basically got a free MacBook Pro or something if you p- joined his uh, his event for $2,000. And the commission as an affiliate was like $700 US. And back then, you know, as an Australian, $700 US, when we're talking five or six years ago, was yeah, probably about $1,000 uh, when it was converted. So it's a one one sale, I get $1,000, which is huge because I'd I'd have to work a job for two weeks to make that kind of money. And I remember sitting there with my BlackBerry and this email comes through and it's, it said you'd made a sale and it was for one of these tickets and it was $700. And I was like, I'm living the dream. I'm playing golf with my BlackBerry, getting an email saying I've just made $700 when I wasn't doing any work for it. I think um, you know, that was probably still is the most single exciting moment I've ever had in internet marketing because you get a little bit maybe, I don't want to say used to it, but you get a little bit more numb to it because the first time it happens, it's, wow, this is amazing. It actually works. And then it starts happening more often and more frequently. And you get blasé about it. You really shouldn't. It's an absolute gift to go to make money this way. But that led to really going down the blogging path. And, and I did eventually create product as well as, I don't know if you want to talk about that, but certainly... Affiliate marketing and not AdSense, still don't use AdSense, uh, but I did start selling advertising directly to sponsors using um, banners and text links. Yeah, that's really interesting. And for me, what resonates are these two camps, the bloggers and the internet marketers, because I've followed both camps relatively closely because I enjoy both camps. And it's almost like now we're seeing these guys on each side of the coin coming together. And it's almost like everybody realizes that hey, well, the bloggers are probably right in that content is king. And bloggers are realizing, oh, okay, these guys over in the internet marketing space are right in that you need to look at what you're doing as a business and uh, focus on these other things, which they potentially weren't in a few years ago. Yeah, the, the internet marketers are a lot better at making money. I, I think, no offense to bloggers, but bloggers work a lot harder and get a lot less in return most of the time as a generalization, certainly in my experience. And, and internet marketers do better because they're, they're just better at conversion. They just know how to make a sale. And they go for things that have a, a higher return on investment, like create a product and sell it for $1,000. And you know you make your 100 sales and you've just made $100,000, where a blogger will sit and spend the entire year writing an article a day, never creating a product, never even necessarily doing an email list and just hoping to make enough money from AdSense and maybe make 20 grand at the end of a year. So there's an opportunity for both to learn from each other, I think. And, and that's what I tried to do. Like, I've never been the highest trafficked blog in my space. Uh, I have a good personal brand and I, I got a lot of people talking about me, but it's never been, I've never had a site that's had 5,000 visitors a day even with my blog. But I've been able to really take what internet marketing's taught me and build an information product business around my nice little core group of followers. And, and because of that, turn over a million dollars over a few years, where I don't think most bloggers with that, the kind of traffic I had would even get close to that because they wouldn't have the email list. They wouldn't create the products. They wouldn't do product launches. They wouldn't have affiliates promoting their stuff. All that extra layers that you put into effort as an internet marketer, not as a blogger. But certainly the lines are getting blurred because, yeah, like you said, finally, internet marketers and and bloggers are... It's funny, internet marketers need to learn from the content creating world because I think Mm. it's certainly in our space in making money online topics and blogging for profit topics and anything to do with that sort of space. It's a very mature customer. So they're very used to the the launch formula. They want more for 
their attention nowadays. So you can't really use what internet marketing used to use with just one email saying, here, this is a great product, click here and buy it. And you get the commission just because you signed up with someone onto an email. Now there's a lot of distrust, there's a lot of jadedness. And what bloggers are great at doing is building trust. And that's uh, why they make the sale because they've spent all this time building a relationship and and they have the trust, but they just don't get the conversion as well. So if you can mix those two, which you know, I've always been teaching people, then yeah, it can work out really well. Yeah, that really, it is very interesting because that is one thing that I see. The internet marketers are all about traffic and as you say, conversions, but they're not building lifetime value with their customers in a lot of cases, whereas the bloggers are pretty much the opposite. They focus on building this relationship with their readers and have almost in the past forgotten about trying to sell them something or feel like they can't sell them something. So yeah, I think it's really amazing and it's an interesting time for us right now. Mm. So what does brand Yarrow right now entail? What does it look like? Oh, you've caught me at an interesting time, actually, Jake. I've been working, I've always been maintaining my blog. That's something that I never stopped doing. I I like to blog. I like to do podcast interviews like we're doing now. Um, Just recently, I've added more video to what I'm doing. Uh, I'm definitely trying to get all three formats of written, audio, and and visual content happening on a, a regular basis. My grand plan from the blogging and information publishing side of the fence is to really practice what I preached this year and, and build a proper sales funnel. And by that, I mean have a product suite that targets uh, the main things that I know my customers need help with. And I always have something of my own that's of value that I can recommend and have a front-end series of products and a back-end series of products and then link all that together with a, an effective marketing system, which starts with a, a really great blog at the front-end which gets them onto a really great newsletter with a really great free report, all great free information, building trust relationships. So I have a lot of that built, but I haven't got all of it done. So that's what I'm doing a lot right now behind the scenes while maintaining my value that I give to people. So doing all that content creation. But I've also spent the last about two years now working on a software startup, which was a completely different experience for me. It was a, a just Basically, two years ago, I said, you know what, I've had enough of being an information marketer. I want to have a startup. I want to do something that could be potentially much larger than just me teaching. And it's obviously like the dot-com boom 2.0 at the moment a little bit with um, maybe not all the false dreams and hopes and companies that don't make money, but certainly a lot of investment money and a lot of talk about it. And the crows are talking to the so to start a software company was something I wanted to do. And I got a couple of um, partners. One's a developer and one's a designer. And we created this thing called Cranky Ads, which is an advertising management system for bloggers. So I'm staying in my space, although we are opening it up to all website owners as well. And it's basically something I've wanted for my own blog uh, for a long time, a simple tool to rotate banner ads, text link ads, and video ads, and hopefully soon sponsored reviews as well, but really make it simple to use and have a a few strong marketing psychology pieces in there, like the way I sell ads. And I have sold ads on my site since the very early days. That first magic site was you know, uh, primarily making money from banner ads. And that's 10 years ago plus now. So actually, well, it's 13 years ago now, to be actually honest. So I've always had advertising as an income source. So it, it, having this tool is, is very synergistic with what I've done over the years. So that's working on the side. Um, had some problems with that. It's a whole new experience. It's a lot harder to uh, make it work because software development's a lot difficult compared to writing an article or producing a course. It's something AI can't do. I can't program. 
And it just takes a lot more work than I thought to get something out the door. Like we're about to reach, I think in the next sort of six months, we will reach the point in Cranky Ads development that I thought we'd be at about 18 months ago. So <laughs> it's a bit of a development lag there. And that there's all kinds of reasons and a huge backstory I could tell you about that. That's a, probably a, a separate interview uh, altogether. Uh, but personally, I'm spending a lot of time building out my information product funnel and just uh, getting my stuff out the door again. Like I, my blog mastermind course on how to make money blogging has been closed for 18 months because it needs to be you know redone. I've got a membership site training program. Same story. I'm, I'm trying to get that out the door again and, and current. So I just want all of this to be built on a solid foundation. I, one of the things that I've tried not to do this time is be launch-based because a lot of my marketing in the past was all about two weeks of excitement and releasing great free information and having affiliates promote me. And then here's my course. It's only open for a couple of weeks, then close it down. And that's brilliant. Like Jeff Walker and his product launch formula, that it's really a great marketing system and it's a great way to make a lot of sales quickly which I've done now probably 10 to 15 times through opening campaigns and closing campaigns and reopening campaigns and specials and deals and so on and so forth but I don't want to be a launch guy and it's not a great way to run a sustainable business because you have to always be creating and doing launches so I'm trying to build something a bit actually closer to an Evan Pagan uh, system like he's got his Double your dating, David D'Angelo product, or Rich Sheffern with his strategic profits, and he's got webinars that go automatically. So once the product's created, once the sales funnel is built, your job is just to get new leads. And if you were to ask me, what's my sort of goal here in terms of the big dream? Is I want to do what I do already: sit in cafes and live the laptop lifestyle, write articles, do interviews, just have fun creating content, knowing that. When I do so, the machine behind my content is really a well-converting machine, and I've got valuable products that help people. I make sales. I make money. It's just all about me producing more content to make it work, and that that I like. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and that's what I personally noticed, and I guess in a very basic way, trying to implement it myself. And it, it seems to be that the product launch type formula, it's almost like you've got this really small funnel which you're trying to funnel all this traffic into and, and coming in this, there's only one entry point into the funnel. And then at the back end is the upsells or whatever. But it now seems to be a lot broader. It's almost like you've got different points in the funnel that customers can enter when they're ready. And that seems to be, to me, it, it seems to be a lot better way to do it because you're not burning customers out as quickly or you're not burning them out as all because you're offering them value and you're not forcing them to make a decision when they're not ready to make a decision. Mm. And Rich Effort made a really good point when he talked about launches and he said there's no better brand or company or um, even personal brand launching tool, creation tool. Like if you want to say, hello, I've arrived, this is what I'm a specialist at, this is why people trust me and enter the marketplace with a big hello and make a lot of money, make a lot of sales and do that. But if you want to have an ongoing sustainable business, you have to move beyond launches and, and come up with basically something where the numbers work. So you can always go out there and, and even buy traffic at a dollar per lead knowing you'll make a dollar ten on the back end through the system. So you know your numbers, you've got everything lined up and, and working well. But uh, the launch process, like I, I have to give it a lot of credit. I think most people who know me is because I wrote the Blog Profits Blueprint. The reason why they got in touch with the Blog Profits Blueprint was because I did a launch which included 
at the time, we are going back to 2007, six years ago, it had Darren Rouse, pro blogger, recommending it. It had John Chow recommending it. It had Brian Clark from Copy Blogger recommending it. It had all the names, the biggest names at the time in the blogging space, as well as a few internet marketers. Jeff Walker eventually promoted me, and, and so did Rich and a few other. And lot, lots of I've had lots of affiliates have been great, and they helped to put my name as a, a guy who teaches people how to make money blogging out there. Now it's harder to do that now because a there's more of us. B, people are more hesitant to promote the launches because, like you said, there's a burnout effect. You don't want to basically ruin all your relationships by just promoting stuff after stuff, which some people still do, but most bloggers won't do that. They don't want to do that. And most bloggers, finally, certainly the people I just mentioned there, Brian Clark and Darren Rouse and John Chow, they've all got their own products now. They promote their own stuff. It's why not? It makes sense. They get to keep 100%. It's, they're, they're in control of the product. There's no risk about customer service because they control it all. In a lot of ways, everyone's caught up with the internet marketing world and the product creation world, and they've got big businesses. Brian Clark's got a huge business behind Copyblogger now with all of his plugins and SEO services and hosting and WordPress themes and everything like that. And uh, yeah, it's like I couldn't get Brian to recommend the, the blueprint now. It's, it's well, Unless we were really close buddies hanging out every weekend, it's, mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. You do have to find different ways to launch yourself into a market, but it's still possible. Look at Pat Flynn. There's a guy who came... Not by doing a launch, just by working hard through blogging, through podcasting, through video, really finding, I think, a resonance with where a lot of people are at, choosing the best keyword you can ever think of, passive income yes. online. If I had my chance again, I would not name my blog Entrepreneur's Journey. I'd pat nailed it. He puts passive income in it. And just obviously being a genuine nice guy, which is resonating with a lot of people, but also doing some really good experiments that show people how he's making money and that's always worked case studies have always been effective and through a combination of i think just con consistent exposure through multiple channels like being interviewed on podcasts um getting a, uh, invited to talk at events he's slowly built up the name and the brand and uh he's done in two years what one launch would potentially do for you but it's just as effective and perhaps more sustainable uh, long term as well. He's got a lot of people who will just follow Pat regardless of what he does. And he doesn't need to launch a great product. In fact, he doesn't even really have his own product. He's the guy who bucks the trend in a lot of ways. But it does show that it's possible. But I still think melding the two worlds is the best way to go. I, I'm not against launches. I love what Pat does, but I also think for a lot of people, it's not accessible to, to get his result. They just won't replicate that. So you do need to get better at your marketing, especially because you're going to be working with smaller numbers. So if you don't have as big numbers and, and you don't have the exposure, you need a tighter message, you need better marketing, you, you need launch techniques, and you need direct response marketing techniques. But yeah, I think we've I've gone off track a little bit here. <laughs> so. No, this is good though. I think it's all very valuable. And yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you've just said there. Yeah, exactly right. Now, why don't we continue down this path about how you go about building this great marketing funnel? And I guess it's a phrase that you've coined recently, blog content 2.0. What is this? I've been a a teacher of, of good blog writing since the early days and, and I coined the phrase pillar content and to my surprise it's caught on as a great way to describe what you can hope is an outcome from writing blog content or any kind of blog content you produce and it's changed <laughs> since I did the initial coining of that phrase in 2007. The outcome from it hasn't changed. I should really be to be actually correct the term it hasn't changed because when you do something that creates a pillar event all that means is you get 
an influx of readers. You get a lot of people sharing your content. Back in the day, they might have shared it through email and through posting it on their blog, where today they do it by liking it on Facebook and sharing it by retweeting it and adding it to their Pinterest or putting it on StumbleUpon, whatever the tools they use. So the tools have changed, but the outcomes haven't. Plus, of course, you've still got the power of Google and getting search results. So the more people who share and the more links that come in, the more likely that content will rank well and and have long-term traffic. That was really the two goals with the pillar, a rush of traffic to your blog content and long-term stable. Not quite as big as that initial rush, of course, but hopefully 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, whatever it is, visitors per day will keep coming from search to that article and and then interact with your blog, join your list, etc. So for me, I've been writing about writing, (laughs) teaching the meta, how to do good blog content was one of my subjects. And I felt that it's needed to be updated. Like for me, I think we all know what our options are for content creation. We, We hear it every day, create a podcast, do YouTube videos, write great blog articles with lots of pictures, Put a lot of research into them. Understand your audience so you're getting the exact subjects that they want. And combine all those mediums into one piece of content. Where back in the day, you could write a 700-word article with six dot points, publish it. It would get shared across a bunch of sites. As soon as you hit the front page of Lifehacker or TechCrunch or whatever, you just suddenly got, or back in the day it was Dig, you just get 10,000 visitors and away you go. <laughs> That's, that was like a launch <laughs> for a lot of blogs. I think John Chow got to start by really gaming Dig in a lot of ways. That's not the same. It's not as easy. It's not as multimedia as it seems to be required today. That, that being said, in certain markets, it's always going to be the value of the content. The medium is it's the magnifier. If you have a great idea, the idea itself is what sells. But if you do release that idea through video, through audio, and through text, then you hit all modalities of learning so you can reach more people. And that's been actually my own experience. It's been interesting for me. I've increased video. That's the one area where I've been doing more than what I used to do. I've always done writing and I've always done podcasts but videos increased and I have had people who watch these videos and they're not like most of my videos are me talking in front of the camera for five minutes just about whatever I've done that day it's not high production value it's record upload done but people who don't read my blog who don't listen to my podcast are watching the videos because they're video people and they leave comments on the video at YouTube they, I, I have conversations where they say, yeah, I was watching your videos. And I realize I'm tapping into a, a, a third channel there that I really didn't have before, which certainly has exposed me to new, new audiences. So as a content creator, you've got all these options. And I, I want to be careful here because I, the concept of blog content 2.0 just means that you're pr- providing more value through more mediums. And I don't want people to think that they have to master all these mediums straight away. And, and in fact... I think, if anything, the biggest lesson that I think compared to the old days, writing five times a week, getting something out the door was the most important thing. That's still the most important thing if you're a news blog. Most people, I think, listening to this won't be news bloggers. They'll be a specialist at a certain subject area, so they're trying to establish their brand, build up a nice following of what I, I don't, I didn't coin the phrase, you know, the 1000 true fans or the tribe, Seth Godin from mm-hmm. for tribe and R Kelly for 1000 true fans. And that's not a lot of people, but they have to be really focused evangelists for you and what you stand for and what you do and what you produce and obviously buy everything you do produce. That's how you make your money from your business. So in order to get that sort of following, it's actually more effective if you Touch them really powerfully once or twice with your content, even if you just do it once or twice in a month. So I think the way 
blog content is changing and, and where I would teach now is don't necessarily do it five times a week if you can't. Like we have to factor in people's lives into the equation here. It's just not realistic for some people. But if you do produce content, let's say once a week, make that once a week article really kick ass. So put the video in as well, convert it to an audio file, write 2,000 words instead of 700, put in some amazing pictures. I recently wrote an article on blog content 2.0 and I pointed out some formulas. You can use, what are they called? Photographics. Yeah, so there's really long uh, pictures of they they explain an idea often statistically or they they visually present an idea and one I recently republished was the one on how sitting down can kill you and there's been all this research into that and there's a very long infograph about all the factors of that so that's something that's been shared a lot so you can do things like infographs you can you can do entire video series five videos to cover a topic in one blog post that's a lot of work but that blog post will more likely hit a lot of people especially if it's a fundamental subject like how to do something that's really important in your market using audio i think like you're doing this podcast and i think the people who are really going to do well in the future uh, i think david Seitman garland is a good example of this with his rise to the top podcast which is one of the you know most effective, successful ones at the moment he's had success because he decided to do daily or at least he was daily he decided to do video interviews not just audio like i'm you and i are doing audio right now i've always done audio but he's prepared to sit in front of the camera and get someone face to face which is slightly better plus he releases it as audio as video in two different streams in itunes as well as obviously having a transcript and he's hitting every single medium there so you got the text people the video people and the audio people the portable people the people who want to sit in front of your computer the itunes subscribers the rss subscribers through blog content you're just giving yourself the chance to reach everyone these sorts of ways to augment just what you do when you produce good ideas is how you can really have more of an impact on the world but you don't have to do it as frequently that's really the the message here better value less frequently tim ferris one of the best examples his blog it's sometimes updated once a month, but man, when he publishes a blog post, it's always, wow, that's really interesting stuff. And it's usually 5,000 words long or, or a mini documentary sort of video or something like that. But it's really in, in engaging and interesting stuff. And he's got probably more traffic than 99% of all blogs on the internet has, but he doesn't write every day. He's not a TechCrunch or a Mashable or The Verge or whatever these media sites are. He's just an individual who has a great following because of his books, but the blog is not updated frequently. Of course, there's always the counterintuitive person like Seth Godin who writes, <laughs> what is it, 100 words for blog post every now and then, and he's massive, but that's because he's massive from all the book writing he's done. So you know, everything has a combination of things that result in an outcome, and you have to figure out what works for you, what works for your lifestyle, what works for the way you produce content and build that platform. And I think for most people, that goal of 1,000 true fans is really the most important thing to look out for and try and reach that point because then you can have a full-time income from your online business and that's the most important thing. Yeah, definitely. It really is. It's so interesting, the different strategies you can take. And Seth, just from the sheer volume that he puts out means that he's going to be producing amazing stuff. But I reckon probably 50% of the stuff he does put out isn't fantastic. But because it's on such a, a regular schedule, you almost forget about it because you've got a, a new piece to focus on the next day. And it's him. I mean, yeah. you know, if, if the some guy with no reputation posted these little smart ideas every day, they're not going to reach that many people. Certainly not short term, maybe eventually. But he built the platform through books. That's the thing. Like everyone has 
a breakthrough mechanism. Some people use books, some people use uh, TV, some people use live events to talk about events. Some people get it through other people. Like, for example, I just listened to Pat's recent interview and he gives credit to my interview with him as his flashpoint for putting him on the map. And I certainly think for me, my flashpoint was the release of the Blog Profits Blueprint and having all these other bloggers talk about me. And that was six years ago. So everyone arrives somehow and then people pay more attention to you. That's the important part. Why are people paying attention to you? And then you get to play around with the different formats and find something that suits your style. In, in Seth's case, 50 words a day is <laughs> all you need. All right, let's um, shift gear a little bit and let's go back to the platform you're using to be able to build your funnel. I'm really interested in the systems that run a business. And I recently saw that you've posted about you've moving from Aweber across to Office Autopilot. How did you learn that? So that was in a video, uh, wasn't see, it? It was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So why did you decide to move from a, just a, a traditional email broadcast and autoresponder system to something more complex like Office Autopilot? Before I answer that question, I'm, I'm curious about, Jake, do you read blog posts or do you mostly do read, watch videos or listen to podcasts? It, it's but Personally, my consumption time is while I'm driving. I drive 40 minutes each way into work five days a week. So that's the best time for me to consume. I can't work and listen at the same time. I tend to zone out of what's in the background and focus on work. And video is the same thing. I need to have 100% focus. So for me, audio is probably my best mode for learning because I can actually be doing something and listen, have a good, decent block of time where I can tune in and listen to what's going on. So my YouTube video where I talked about moving to Office Autopilot, was that just playing the audio somewhere in the background while you were driving? No, that's quite interesting. And I think the different forms of media are best in different formats. And your videos, James Shremko's videos, are small enough you can consume them in a 10-minute break somewhere here and there throughout the day. So that's generally where I'll consume it on YouTube. I'll subscribe to a number of people on YouTube and I'll two or three times a day just head across there and watch something else if there's something new. So mm, Interesting, huh? <laughs> I, I very, do. very interesting. Yeah, I find the the different modalities because I I can't stand watching videos most of the time. Like it's so slow. I want to fast forward, <laughs> but they don't have the technology to make that easy to do yet. But anyway, I just just trying to make the point. I guess that you do hit people. Like I would have not touched you with that content video last year because I wasn't doing it. And it, it does surprise me how often you underestimate the people that are ignoring you because you fail to transcribe your podcast, as an example. Or you're, like most people, this is what I'm not doing right now, but I want to, is I want to get an audio version of every blog post I write and get it into iTunes and get it as a video in YouTube, which shouldn't be that hard to do. I'm working on that at the moment to develop the system to get that happening automatically. Very much profit hacks from Pete Williams and, and Rich Efren. But anyway, to go back to your question, <laughs> Jake, the switch. Yes, like you said, I am moving from Aweber, which has been my email autoresponder for the last eight years, something like that. It's a scary move because it's been my main income source for that time too. I, most of my money comes from my list. So the reason why I decided to move to Office Autopilot is because I'm building that sales funnel, like I told you about earlier in the interview. So if I want to do more advanced things, for example, really have some structured tunnels for, for people to go mm -hmm. through. So as an example, my front end will be join my newsletter, get my blog profits blueprint. It flags people as interested in making money with blogs. That's my main positioning strategy. That's my best 
subject to teach on. I've got the most experience. It makes sense. I can help those people the most. And it's a popular way to make money. So it's meeting a need as well. Then when people come into my funnel, I want to have tunnels that branch out depending where they are. So I will be having a uh, basically a, an entry-level ebook on mindset and productivity because I think that's the first area where people usually go wrong which stops them succeeding in everything else they do from that point forward. So I want to promote that first. Whether or not they buy, I don't know, but it'll be there. And then I want to have, or I will have a guide on buying and selling blogs and websites because, again, at the entry point of this, you either decide to build a site from scratch yourself if you're new or if you've got a little bit of cash available, speed up the process by buying a blog or buying a website. So I want that option to be made available. And I have content on that subject, and I've done it myself in the past, so I can teach that area. Then often what happens is once you've got your blog, whether you bought it or you created it yourself, the next issue is traffic. So I've got an intro introductory guide on building traffic to blogs. So all those are my front-end guidebooks, and each of those will have a follow-up sequence if they buy that product. And I've also got a subscription club um, on the back end as an upsell to each of those products. Now, one of the wonderful things about Office Autopilot is being able to tag people based on actions they take to the, to the granular level. Like if they click a link in this email, move them from this list to this list. Even if they click this link on your website, move them from this list to this list or add them to this another list. Uh, one of the best examples I can think of that I'd really like to do is because I have a, a a training product on how to make money with blogs, but I also have a training product on how to make money with membership sites. Now, I'm not known as a membership site trainer, but I've done you know a couple of those, and, and I've got a product that's got some good stuff in it. But I don't want to be promoting membership site training to people interested in making money from blogs. So what will make sense is that in my sequence, at some point, it's it'll be like, click here to download my guide on how to make money with membership sites and that'll then flag them as a person interested in membership sites and I can then have them go on to a new follow-up sequence on that subject selling them my membership site product. Uh, so there's a lot of control like if you actually get to play around with Office Autopilot there's a lot of different things you can do especially with the, the if then actions uh, not just moving from one list to another but you can also have them get sent a postcard in the mail you can have them get moved to a different type of membership site because it's integrated with membership sites as well. And it, I'm, I'm talking like in hypothetical speak as well because I haven't built most of these features yet. I'm very much at the transition point where I've just moved all my contacts from AWeber into Office Autopilot. And in fact, today I'll be sending my first ever large broadcast using Office Autopilot instead of AWeber. So it's a pretty big, pretty monumentous day in terms of testing Office Autopilot and seeing how if I get the same response in terms of my emails being opened and my, my emails being clicked and things like that. So um, I'm excited to do that. But what I'm really excited about is it is an all-in-one solution. If it can do what it claims it can do, I won't need to use anything else other than Office Autopilot for my email, for my shopping cart, for my affiliate system, for sending direct postcards in the mail, which is something I'm not done, but I would like to do more of that sort of thing. Uh, for, for drip feeding content through a membership site. There's, there's two plugins that work directly with WordPress, so I, I'm already a WordPress user. Theoretically, it should handle my entire information product business. And I have high hopes because I know 
for example, uh, Marie Forleo and Eben Pagan, and I just saw recently Frank Kern is using it as well. There's a lot of people who seem to have decided to go with it as opposed to uh, maybe Infusionsofts, which was like the the next level up for most people from Aweber. They almost always would switch to Infusionsoft, but so many people struggled with it. Like They just find it too confusing. And I didn't even bother looking at it for that reason because <laughs> I knew if these people were struggling, it's it's going to be too hard for me as a one-man sort of operation because I, I don't want to be the person necessarily doing all the work. I want to know how my system works at least so yes. that when you lose a person or something like that, you can go in there and fix things in, in emergencies and things like that. So far, from what I've been working with Office Autopilot, I get it. I understand it. Uh, so that's a really good sign and I, I can see how I can use it. So it's nice to be in a position right now where I see this sort of castle that I have to build this year and the tools are there. It's just a case of sitting down and building everything step by step, making sure it all works. And hopefully by the end of 12 months time from now, next year, if someone comes to my blog or any of my landing pages and opts into my newsletter, there will be a sequence of messages and a sequence of products that's optimized and delivers a lot of value, converts really well, makes a lot of money, and I can just sit and write articles and do interviews and reach more people knowing that they will enter that system and the machine will deliver the value. Yeah, definitely. I, and what really excites me about these marketing automation tools is that in essentially the same way that you can add people to funnels into sales funnels, you can actually remove people based on their non-actions and put them back into a nurture funnel. They're not ready to buy it because they're not showing interest in the clicks. So you can put them back into a more of a nurture funnel, deliver extra awesome content. And then when the time comes where they are showing interest, they can pop them back across into one of the uh, sales funnels. Mm, I really, some of this is it's so laborious to set it all up, but what you can do with Office Autopilot is if they opt into the newsletter but never click the link to go download the actual resource you give them, you can have them move to a list that then says, why haven't you downloaded the resource mm-hmm. yet? So you've got so many granular levels of response that you could, like if you really got good at this, every single action, if it's not taken, you could have a reminder series to go, what are you doing? <laughs> why aren't you acting on this? So you can uh, you know, try and keep people more active than otherwise like i've certainly been slack in the past my email sequence has been here's some content here's some content here's some content not really sort of caring whether they click the links Uh, i look at the numbers but i haven't been proactively trying to improve them yeah it's really interesting it's i've literally taken a plunge a few weeks ago into infusionsoft so i'm enjoying Uh, the exact same thing that you're talking about here so it's you obviously haven't found it too confusing then no i haven't the learning curve was initially it felt steep but three or four weeks into using the software, I'll probably liken the learning curve to that of WordPress. Nice. They just raised some funds, so I'm sure there's anyone who complains about things, they're well aware of it. And I know that's been the, the biggest complaint people have had. They call it confusion soft for mm. a reason. But yeah, I expect people will get a better and better user experience with it over time now. Yeah, we better move on from this subject because I'm sure we're boring our listeners. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's a mad scientist side of the marketing and I really enjoy it, but yeah, it's not for everybody. All right, yeah, we've been going for ooh, close to 50 minutes now, so I really appreciate you taking the time you have. So you're setting up your funnels again. Where do you see blogging going into the future? It, it depends on your goals. I, I think blogs will always be multimedia and not so like multimedia, but the, the new media source for the big sites but that's 
not really relevant for most of us. I don't think most of us want to start a new tech crunch or whatever it is in, in your industry. It's possible. I, I love the case study from one of my friends, Alvarez Fala, with his car advice blog here in Australia, which was one guy just writing articles about cars. And now it's a team of 20 and a whole a writing team and they're covering every news event that get flown into Europe. It's worth $20 million. It's a magazine online. And that's amazing. And that's a possibility. I've got a couple of examples of people I've worked with who've, who've reached that point, And that's huge. It doesn't work for most people, though, because getting to that level of traffic is very difficult, especially as an individual. Uh, you really do need to start ramping up your content creation if you follow that model. So I think for most people, if you're interested in making money with blogging, getting better at internet marketing is so important. You really do need to get more from fewer people because you're not going to have tens of thousands of daily visitors. You need to be able to make a living off of your 1,000 daily visitors and build the newsletter, build a funnel behind it that converts, find out where your best point of leverage is, where you provide the most value, and then go deep in that area. Too many bloggers, I think, follow that formula of just produce more and get more eyeballs and I'll make more money from advertising or I'll make more money from selling affiliate products. But if you actually build a funnel behind it, your your visitor value is much greater. Like a blogger who has a thousand readers who just has advertising affiliate income, they're often making 20 cents on average per user where if they turn that to an information product business with a series of products, it gets into the multiple dollars per visitor instead because one person buys a $20 ebook, then goes on to a, a $50 a month subscription, and then maybe if they're really a, uh, an ultra-responsive, dedicated, 1,000 true fan type person, they're going to buy your $500 uh, course and attend your $2,000 live event if you, if you go down that path. And that's the difference between making an okay income from a blog to you're now making six figures, multiple six figures, even seven figures. And that's, I think, an outcome for anyone who's interested in making money from a blog if they can really learn all these steps. And most of it just comes down to making sure you understand what market you're going after, getting your positioning really right, getting the problem and understanding it really well, then going through a process that all of us have to go through of slowly building the platform that can make you money. I think in the future, just as today is the future for me compared to six years ago when I started blogging, or I started blogging about eight years ago, but when I started making money from it and seeing the ways to make money back then, the fundamentals didn't change. It's still about audience attention. It's still about conversion points and, and selling things. The tools we use to reach people and the tools we use to analyze those things, the conversion points, they've changed, they've increased. There's social media, there's really good metrics tools, there's really good shopping carts and uh, customer relationship management tools like we talked about just before. There's new blogging tools and it's really possible to reach so many more people now because there's so many more people online. But if you don't get the fundamentals right, it doesn't really matter. You're, you're not making any money from it and you're not reaching any people. So. You learn the fundamentals and then decide which of the tools you want to use. If new tools come along, you can decide to use them. Uh, like I decided to use Twitter and Facebook, but I decided to pretty much ignore LinkedIn and StumbleUpon. But some people love LinkedIn and StumbleUpon. So it's up to you how you use what you use. Just get the fundamentals right. That's a fantastic summary of it all. All right, Yari, thanks very much for coming on. Where can our listeners find out more about you? I tell people to Google my name, Y A O because it's easy to remember, and I'm trying to be like Oprah and Madonna. <laughs> uh, my 
actual website is entrepreneurs-journey.com, but that word entrepreneur tends to throw people. So if you just remember Yara, Y-A-O, you'll find everything, my blog, my YouTube channel, my podcast, just by looking around for my name. Well, that's brilliant. Yara, thank you very much for coming on the episode. You've shared with our listeners a whole heap of really awesome content, and I really appreciate that. Thank you very much for having me, Jacob. Enjoy the chat, and I hope everyone got something from it and can go out there and, and make some money from whatever they're doing with, with blogs. Good luck. Yeah.